If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We've spent a lot of time this week talking about public safety, right? Uh, and as you know, our province has committed to spending more money to deal with what some have said is flat out a crisis in our city's downtowns and particularly on public transit. A hundred more police officers, ASAP, um, that's been welcomed by mayors in both cities, police chiefs all saying this is a very good thing because it's needed. You know, that's the, that's what we can do in the immediate. We can try and add more law enforcement and try and address what we feel is a lack of public safety on transit. But at the same time, there's an acknowledgement from pretty much everybody involved that that's just one part of the puzzle here and dealing with mental health and addiction and homelessness is probably even more important, certainly more important long term because now you're getting to the root of the problem. Not all of it, not every case, but in a lot of it. So how do you tackle that? We're going to chat now with Dr. Sandy Simpson, a chair in forensic psychiatry at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health at the University of Toronto. Dr. Simpson, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Um, so you're based in Toronto, and you've written a lot about the issues there. But as you know, and, and our listeners know, it's the exact same thing here in Calgary and Edmonton and, and other major cities in Canada. We're definitely seeing a, an increase in the, the amount of violence. It seems to be a nationwide problem right now. Uh, yeah, look, I am not very familiar with what the situation is in Alberta. Um, I take your word for it that it's, you're, you're striking similar issues there. Yeah, very similar. I, I guess with uh, if the... If the same sort of problems exist for you as for us here in Toronto, then you'll get similar dynamics. And certainly, certainly, what you said just now—that you know, we um, we need more police for short-term security, but that ain't gonna—we can't police and imprison our way out of the situation. Unfortunately, it needs a it needs a bigger uh, answer than that. Of course, absolutely. Um, so, what what do you think is driving this? When we talk about some of this social disorder and some of the social problems that we're facing right now, um, there's a number of factors behind this crisis, if you want to call it that, what do you think is, is sort of driving this situation? Yeah, I mean, for people, for your audience's kind of knowledge of where I'm coming from, so I'm a forensic psychiatrist. I work in uh, the Ramon Centre here at the prison in, uh, in downtown Toronto. We uh, And so we see a lot of people coming in with minor crimes. A lot of it is crimes of, of poverty, um, minor thefts, thefts under mischief, um, you know, problems with aggressive panhandling or possession or failure to comply or failure to appear. So not things that cause great public distress, but cause a lot of disturbance. Um, and uh, we've we've always seen a lot of those people, and they have a mixture of um, uh, of problems with the nasty drugs, particularly crack and methamphetamine, crystal methamphetamine, which are the the nastiest drugs for generating criminal problems. Opiates are the nastiest ones in terms of killing us, but the it's the um, it's crack and crystal meth that are the problems with criminality, and uh, so that's a major problem. And the other things are people with uh, who have serious mental illness who, uh, uh, for various reasons, can't access or um, are alienated from the help structures that should be there for them, and underpinning them and others is uh, is structural poverty. Right. Um, commonly heard phrase, what does it mean? 
Certainly in my province, it means that the state, uh, the provincial um, uh, disability benefits are at 60% of the poverty line. So we're expecting people who can't find housing, who are disorganised or addicted uh, and have other ingrained social problems uh, that may be associated with that to survive 60% um, of the, at the 60% of the poverty line, unable to access housing. Um, often without till we wait for up to a year to get into the high intensity mental health team they might need, uh, and, um, up to eight years to get subsidized housing. So uh, we're imposing huge adjustment burdens on the people least able to manage it who are uh, poorest and struggling most. So clearly we need addiction services, clearly need, we need mental health ones, but we've got to address uh, the poverty dimensions as well. Is it gotten worse? I mean, we've always had these issues. Poverty, mental illness and drug addiction are nothing new. We've always had them. Is it worse now than it was, say, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago? The national data would say that poverty has been getting better over the last um, uh, six or eight years, that the, the, uh, the number of people living in poverty has declined. Um, for, uh, there was then, of course, the disruption of the pandemic and all the effects that that has had. And certainly the numbers of people in homeless situations in Toronto has been rising. I don't know if that's true in your setting, but it's, uh, so the homeless population has been getting bigger. Life has been getting more precarious. Uh, because um, rentals are rising dramatically and in the last year, of course, inflation has has uh, hit and made life more unaffordable. So life's pretty precarious for a bigger and bigger proportion of the population and real wages for um, lower to lower middle class earners has been not keeping with keeping up with inflation for a long, long time. So the number of people who are closer to living precariously who have precarious housing with a rising rent, precarious uh, food insecurity. Uh, for those reasons, that group is getting higher. And so the stress amongst those uh, people are getting bigger. They put more pressure on the shelter systems and the emergency housing, and they become uh, more frightening places for people to go into. I mean, I think it's public with well, why on earth people aren't people taking shelter beds? Why are they living on the streets? And often that's because I see that commentary out of Vancouver in the last 24 hours. It's because people are actually afraid to go to yeah. the shelters. Uh, and so the, the although that we're doing a lot to try and offer better emergency housing, the quality of the experience in those is, uh, is getting poorer. And I think uh, so the the pandemic's not specifically causative, but I think it's disruptive of a number of the things that's um, made it worse now. The economic precarity is getting bigger. We don't have very good data to tell us whether the, um, uh, you know, whether we're getting more violent emerging because of the, the alienation and, you know, anger that people who are on the margins are feeling. It feels like that. One gets a sense of that. One hears that talking to people. Um, who are committing to these acts that they just feel, you know, abandoned and nobody cares and, uh, so why should I care? And that, that kind of sense, that loss of fabric of society seems to occur for these, for these people. Um, and how much those things feed in, we don't know. We try to look at that to understand that better, but those are some of the dynamics I think we need our ears open to. It's such a, it seems like it's such a big problem. I think that's part of the problem. Like even just to get started, right? I mean, when you take a look at it, doctor, you're talking about some, some issues that at, at in some cases, and I, I'm sure Toronto is very similar to what we're seeing in Edmonton and Calgary, and you mentioned Vancouver, where these problems are, they're big. I mean, it, it's a, it's going to cost a lot of money and it's going to take a lot of effort to turn this around. You look at, uh, I was staggered about 
17, 18 years ago, I worked around, walked around the downtown east side of Vancouver for the first time and was stunned by what I saw there. I'd never seen anything like it. One of the things I was stunned by was the, the total lack of, uh, of um, anger or menace or conflict between people I saw there or with me as somebody from outside wandering in there. Not sure if I would feel that now. Life things feels more desperate. Um, and it seems to be uh, getting uh, more entrenched. You know, the downtown east side has been a thing in Vancouver for a long, long time. Yeah. But it, it does feel like it's changing. And uh, I think it's about uh, it's the precarious nature of life is getting much worse and much more widespread for, for bigger numbers of people. Uh, one of the things I have been saying is that, you know, so we, we sure we need more mental health, sure we need more housing, sure we need more addiction services, but we've got to, we've got to attack that, um, the issues of poverty. I'm a fan of and have been promoting a bit, um, uh, guaranteed basic income or universal basic income as a way of greatly simplifying and, and marking social support in a way that's stable that takes the, that precariousness away for people. Yeah, I mean, that sort of, that that's, puts everything in one basket then, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, provincial and federal governments need to work together to put all their extra little bits of supplement together in one pot. It would cost a bit more, but if you look at the other costs that are going on from all of this, not much more and would probably save in many, many ways. Real impact on mental health, real impact on physical health, real impact on youth health and kids in, uh, in in struggling households. I think we would see a lot of benefit for that. And it's been it's been trialed here in Canada. Manitoba did a big uh, a piece of it that showed those benefits. There was a small trial here in, in Ontario that got shut down a few years ago, but it was also starting to show those benefits. The mental health and physical health benefits are there. So I think it's a and it's a it's an intriguing policy because it um, it's supported by people on the right. Milton Friedman originally thought it was a good idea, uh, and uh, and by people on the left. So it's one of those things that may unite uh, otherwise um, uh, arguing factions of our right. society into a into a strategy. I yep. think it's worth looking at. That would be a neat trick if, if there's anything out there that can do that. <laughs> it deserves <laughs> some consideration. Dr. Simpson, unfortunately, I'm out of time, but thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. 